All right, so we've been uh, in different areas so far. Uh, we've had a plan for my family, for discipleship, for time together. Last week, we've been on mission. And tonight, is having a plan for discipline. I want to start by asking you a question. How were you disciplined as a child? Okay, I want to hear different ways. This should be a lot of fun. Um, okay, we're going right back there. How were you disciplined as a child? We're going back to... And hopefully this won't get your parents in jail, what you say. <laughs> How about it? Wooden cookies. Wooden. I will say I definitely deserve it. <laughs> Not as a younger one, this is like as a, as a uh, middle schooler. No doubt it. Wooden. Broke over my head over and that's why they sent you to the military, right? You're going to the military. <laughs> Broke over the head twice. Wooden cooking spoons. How else were you just disciplined? Anybody else? Yes, sir, Kermit. Yes, anything. Paddles, belts, switches. Okay. What else? The hand. The hand. All right. Bam. Just what was, That's the most convenient and quickest, right? The hand. All right. Got it. All right. There you go. Uh, stuff. Taken away. Yeah. Car keys, toys, things are important to you. Yep. The parents had to push your buttons, didn't they, Kyle? They knew it. Are you battling this? The worst of all is silent treatment. Oh, silent treatment. Very good. Silent. You, you knew when you upset mom, right? You got the silent treatment. All right. Anybody else? Yes, sir, Miguel. What was it? What was it? Flip-flops. Wow. And did, did mom take them off her foot and hit you with them? Oh, they would throw them at you. Okay. Thrown flip-flops. All right. Oh, yeah. Just wait. That's right. To wait till your dad gets home. Oh man, that's torture. That that made that thirty minutes like three hours. Yep. Yes, ma'am. So my mom was all of that, mm -hmm. but my dad used to sit us down and talk to us and reason with us and explain how disappointed he was. Oh. Yes. Talks of disappointment. Oh. I got the death glare. The death glare. Oh. That was enough for me most of the time. That's right. Yep. Lauren, you shaped up real fast, right? How far how far away could she do the death glare? Like ten feet, twenty feet? Across the room. Yeah, you knew it. Mm. 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 Well, no wonder y'all turned out so good. <laughs> Because you had parents that did not spare the rod. So let's go down the list. I'm going to read these off. If you do this today, okay, if you, if you follow this same methodology, just raise your hand and let me know. The laws are a little different now. They are. Times have certainly changed, right? Okay, uh, who in the room today uses wooden cooking spoons? You do? Okay, several? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, wooden cooking spoons. So these are still in the cool, right? They're still useful. All right, so wooden cooking spoons still work. Fantastic. Um, paddles. Anybody have a wooden paddle? Okay, yeah, there you go. 
All right, so paddle's still in there. A belt right out of the pants. There you go. Good. Yep. And do you make that ripping out sound? Okay, yeah, just intimidation. <laughs> Bam. Love it. Okay, anybody run outdoors to get a switch today? Anybody, anybody nowadays use switches? Um, anybody, your parents made you go get the switch off the tree? Yeah, me too. Yeah, go pick your own switch, son. I tried to pick the one that had the most leaves on it that would catch some air, you know. <laughs> you said, no, no, go get a different one. All right, so switches did not make the cut today. All right, something's happened to us. How about the hand? Is the hand still in you? <laughs> yes, the hand is still widely used. Um, stuff taken away. You're going to lose your blank, whatever it is, right? And probably the most popular thing if you have teenagers now is to take away their phone. Right, absolutely. Um, anybody in the room use silent treatment? It's okay. Yeah, it can happen. All right, got it. Silent treatment still in vogue. Um, anybody throw flip-flops at your child most recently? <laughs> no, okay. All right. So no throwing flip-flops. I'm so sorry that you were um, so mistreated as a child, Miguel. Yeah. It's, it's exactly right. Now it's illegal. Um, any one of you set the kids down for talks of disappointment? Yeah, that's still <laughs> And even though you know, that's right. It still happens. <laughs> and how, what's the duration? Is that a 10-minute talk, 20-minute talk, 2-minute talk? The short, you get the short. Dad gave the long, you give the short. Okay. Death glare. Anybody got that perfected? The death glare. Ooh, Ooh it's still in use. Yeah, it is open for business, the death glare is. Um, all right, ladies, who in the room uses the just wait till your dad gets home talk? Anybody use that? Yep, still working. It is still working. That is very interesting. There was a poll done. Uh, a few years back, and it was not necessarily a, a Christian poll, just a general public poll that said, where do you get your parenting techniques from today? They were thinking, that hey, the number one probably Google, okay, or maybe it's going to be the Bible in there somewhere. Uh, maybe it's friendships. Guess what it was? It was we parent similar to how our parents parented. And that works if you were raised by godly parents who knew what to do with these type of techniques. For many of us, that wasn't the case, and we weren't raised in godly homes. And so um, going back to how your parents uh, parented might work in some scenarios, but there might be some biblical correction needed to happen in, in other areas. Um, well, that's, that's pretty cool. You guys are right on track. All right, so tonight is talking about discipline, and where do we get this idea even, and does it connect it all with the Bible, or is it just something that we do when we're frustrated with our kids' behavior? Let's just take a look at it. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2. If you didn't bring your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen. Don't worry, I'll show it to you. At Bellevue, we say the Bible is our standard for life and faith. So when we say, hey, where do we go to to learn how to do life? Where do we go to to learn how to do our faith? We say the Bible. And um, the Lord speaks to us today through His Word. It's the main way God speaks to us. And so we turn to the Bible uh, to see things. Now, um, I want to give you some main ideas, and it's on your paper there. And the very first one is this. God establishes authority over people. This goes all the way back to the beginning of time. God establishes authority over people. Um, now, the Bible's opening scene tells this story. So in Genesis chapter 2, I want us to, we've had a really good time reading together. 
So if you don't mind, we're going to read together. And just, to, just so you know, um, when you see something and you hear it, you, you learn a little bit. But when you, when you speak it and write it down, you retain a lot more. That's why we've got on the screen and got papers for you to fill out. Read it with me if you would. Genesis 2.15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Fantastic. What direction does the Heavenly Father give? He gives some direction in verse 15 and 16. What is it? These are kind of his kids, so to speak. In 15 and 16, what's he say? What directions does he give them? Okay, yeah. Hey, you've got a job. Keep the garden. Here's how to do it. What about verse 16? Yeah. There you go. Here's what you can do. Here's what's acceptable. What about verse 17? What you can't do. Got it. What you can't do. So the father said to them, hey, here's what to do. Okay, I'm going to give you an example of what to do. Here's what not to do. Here's what will happen if you disobey me. Now, for you all as parents, is that good direction to give to kids? Is that an example of good direction? Why so? Why is that a good example of direction right there? Clear boundaries. Clear boundaries. It's, it's clear, right? Here's what to do. Here's what not to do, right? So there's boundaries involved in it. Anybody else? Why that's good direction? You set the expectation, and then there's no argument. So you're not the bad guy. Expectation's been set. That's right. You understand what happens if you don't set the expectation. It's not our fault that you didn't meet the expectation. And it's clearly communicated. Right. A communicated, clear expectation. It's, it's been told in advance. Um, that's exactly right. Um, it's clear. It's authoritative. There should be no problems with that, right? Let's press pause on the story just for a second so I can make a second point real quick. God created people to be parents, okay? He's given us the ability to have children, to be a parent. Um, whether you're a biological parent tonight or an adoptive parent or a foster parent, we have the privilege of raising kids. And there's some great <laughs> verses that go along with this. Um, Psalm 127.3, can you read this with me together? Children are a gift from the Lord. Amen. Proverbs 22.6, raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. God's given us children, and he's given us instructions of what to do with these kids. And God did not leave us without instruction. You might hear the joke of, hey, had the baby, didn't come with a, didn't come with a user manual. Well, God gave us his word, and he's given us things that we're to do. Um, and so another main point I want you to see is this. God instructs parents to disciple their children. He has been very clear about this. God instructs parents to disciple their children. Let's look at our favorite text on this. We looked at this several weeks ago, and we kind of hit it on as we go. Deuteronomy 6, 4, a little bit longer, but please read it with me. Here we go. Ready? Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Good. So there are some things in here that God instructs us to do today, right? In verse 5, what is He clearly telling us to do in verse 5? Love the Lord. As parents, we're to love the Lord. Verse 6, what do we do? What's He saying in verse 6 for us to do? Yeah, the word, the scripture will be on our heart, right? So we're to love the Lord and we'll take His commands put them on our heart. Verse 7, what's verse 7 telling us to do? Teach. Teach these commands to our children. Teach them diligently. That's exactly right. Um, he says, you shall love the Lord. That's what he says. You shall have His commands on your heart. You shall teach God's commands diligently to your kids. Is that clear instruction? That's clear. Here's what to do, okay? Here's where to do it. Here's how to do it. God gives us clear instruction from His Word um, on how to disciple our children. So thank you, Lord. He's given us some instruction on it. Um, very clear. Now, there's a few things about this, just a few added points for you guys to know. I know you already know these. As parents, we are the primary disciple makers in our kids' lives. The church wants to help us, but it's not the church's job. Uh, the youth pastor, um, Christian friends, it's our job as parents to disciple our kids. Um, now, discipleship, what is it? It's the process, okay, it's a journey in a sense of making someone more like Christ. It's not a one-time thing. It is a process. How many years does the Lord give us to have kids in our home before they leave the home? 18, that's right. Thank you, Tanya. 18 years. So that's a good amount of time. That's a good time to journey with them to help them become more like Christ before they launch out of our homes. So you might say, hey, my role is to make child's name um, more like Christ as I raise him or her. Amen. what a daunting task. If we had to do it alone, it would be really hard. We've got the Lord's help. Yeah, Miguel. <laughs> good drivers, especially we're on the road beside them, right? Or coming at them this way, right? Teach them how to drive well. Um, well, so, so God said, hey, disciple your kids. You know, sit them down. They'll be calm. They'll listen. You'll have their full attention. They'll hang on, just, just hang on every word you say. That's how it works, right? Well, not always, right? Um, what are some of these faces depicting Tell me some emotions or things you're hearing from the scene in this. What is it? Yeah, annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. I'm rebellious. I don't want to listen. I've heard enough. That's right. Could parents get these looks? Oh, yeah. So God has said, hey, do this. And we're like, yeah, we want to obey, but sometimes we have this, right? And those two collide. Um, so what do we do? Because we're thinking, wait a minute, I thought it was supposed to be, I thought it was supposed to listen to me, I'm the parent. Um, so what happens next? What happens next is that God has modeled discipline as a way for parents to disciple. What I want to show you I think is, is fantastic because it's God's Word. He has modeled discipline as a way for us to disciple. Um, we're going to go back to the story of Adam and Eve where we left it because you know what's neat about this? is God was faced with this. 
God gave very clear instructions to his children. It was perfect. The environment was perfect. They were walking with the Lord. Everything was just right. And he said, do this. Enjoy all this. Just, just don't do that. And some of this came out. And from that point on, that fellowship was broken. So let's see what the Lord did. How did, what, did he, what did the Lord do when this happened? Because we can learn from him what we need to do when it happens with us. Let's read together. Are you ready? Verse 9. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So God is dealing with these two who willfully disobeyed Him. So in this scenario, what are God's options here? So, so you can imagine, you just put yourself in this situation. You've had it with your parents. You've told your kids to do something. They do something different than what you said, opposite of what you said. Well, you've got options, right? What am I going to do next? And the ball's in your court. So now the ball's in your court. What, what are some options God had to do? I know you probably know the story, but what are some options he did have? What could he have done? Could have taken them back to dust, right? <laughs> Wiped them clean. He said, all right, that's it. Send me two new ones. <laughs> Had enough. That's right. Could certainly have done that, right? He's God. He can do whatever he wanted to do. Anybody else? Any other thoughts on what he could have done? He could have blamed the serpent, let him off. Oh, you know what? You're right. He did. He's a deceiver. You know, I, I won't hold you. Don't worry about it. It's okay. We'll just, we'll just blow it off this time. So much he could have done. But let's look and see what he did. This is really important for us as parents. What does God do when his kids disobey? And what can we do? Yeah, Janelle? I was going to say, he didn't have to ask him because he already knew. Well, he knew. that He knew. He, right? knew. he, knew. he didn't have to ask him. Mm-hmm. That's so right. He just wanted to see what they were going to say. That's right. He didn't have to even ask him questions. He didn't. He didn't. But he said, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask them questions. So let's read on. This gets better. Uh, so here we go. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the men out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed a cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of God. Just yes or no, did God discipline Adam and Eve? He did. He sure did. Let's look at three ways he did it, okay? First, God engaged his children right after they sinned. Immediately he engaged them. Um, they sinned. They disobeyed. They broke God's heart. But he engaged them. He went looking for them and engaged them. Why is that, why is that important for us as parents? What can we learn from that? 
Yeah, yeah, Megan. He was broken over this. He's like, I'm not going to let this just go. I'm going to go to them. Um, he wanted to restore this. Um, so God engages children after they sin. The second thing he did is he gave them each separate, each measurable pain, okay? What are ways he gave each of them pain? Let's start with Eve first. How did he give Eve pain from her disobedience? Okay, childbirth is gonna, was going to hurt a lot, right? Um, what did he give? Uh, what else did he give Eve? Something else he gave Eve. Eve, what else? Discontentment, okay, within the, within the marriage, um, the ruling thing, that's right. What about Adam? Did he, did, did he give Adam any pain? Yeah, he's going to work hard, right? It won't come easy anymore, right? He's going to have to work at it, sweat of his brow. So both of these felt pain. Um, and then one more thing he did to them. Okay, they, we were enjoying this great garden. One more thing that was painful to them. Got kicked out. Yeah, what they loved, what they enjoyed, what they knew, all they knew, they were now driven out from it, okay, apart from what they knew. They were in somewhere new, um, and they realized they had sinned. These were painful things. The third thing he did, though, is God gave them hope. Big deal. Hope of restoration and life ahead. Um, what, what is one way that he gave them? I'm sorry I didn't show up. God gave them hope of restoration in life ahead. What's a way in which he gave them hope of life ahead? It goes back to your answer. He let them, he let them live, right? He let them live. You know, he said, I'm going to drive you. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to drive you out, though. So there's, 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 he, there's still, I still desire a relationship with you. I'm talking to you. Um, there's going to be some pain here, but you're going to live. And, and the chairman will be here to make sure that, that you live. If you come back in here, you may not live. So I'm going to make sure that, that you're protected. That's right. He still allowed them to bear children. He made clothes for them. He allowed them to continue to eat. He provided food for them. They had to, to, to grow. Um, and so the rest of the Bible is about God restoring his people. That fellowship was broken. And so the rest of, of the Bible is him restoring his people back to him, to that relationship. Because now any child who's born is born separated from God because that's sin nature. And so Jesus is now here to restore us back to him. Um, so it's been God's restorative plan ever since. So these are kind of the primary things we looked at. Um, these are the kind of four things that we can see in Scripture to kind of model parenting from. So how do we take this and make it useful to us? Um, how does it translate to what we can use today? Well, I want to give you what I think are three steps to biblical discipline that just follows right along the lines of what we've been talking about right here. And number one is this. When our children, when there's a problem of sin in our children, we engage them immediately after they sin. Now let me just do a little straw poll here. I want you to raise your hand in just a second. If you grew up in a home that dealt with conflict immediately, head on, if that was you, uh, I'm going to have you raise your hand in just a second. The other option is you were part of a family that just kind of turtled up. You know, if there was an issue, everybody got quiet, went to their own rooms, maybe didn't even speak the rest of the night. The next morning, you kind of warm each other up a little bit. So did you come from a turtle-up family or a World War III family? We're going to face it head on. 
Who came from, we'll deal with it right now and face it head on family. That's where your parents were. All right, good. Did that always go well or did that all sometimes cause some real blow-ups? How'd that go? Sometimes a little bit of both. Yep. How, well, you survived. That's a good thing. There was hope in your family. You lived. Uh, how about how many of you grew up in a home that just kind of turtled up? You don't need to deal with conflict well, silent. Yeah, that type of deal. Me too. Yeah, that was my home as well. Um, so uh, the question for you is how would you want conflict handled in your home? Do you want it dealt with immediately? Do you want it to be World War III right there in the kitchen? Do you want to turtle up? What do you want to do? Well, if you follow the Lord's plan, he dealt with it immediately. He engaged immediately. But we've got to answer a main question. The question we've got to answer is, what is sin? You know, what, what, do, what do we need to initiate? And I'll just say, if we just narrow, we could talk about this a long time, but we narrow it just to you as parents. We can go to Ephesians 6.1. Um, let me ask you, how could Ephesians 6.1 and 2 define sin within your home, within your kids. How could you use that first to define for your kids, to give clarity to your kids as to what is sin and what isn't? What's some words you'd pull out of this to share with them? Obey. What's the other one? Honor. Honor and obey. Two really important things that they're to do to you as parents, to honor you and to obey you. Really important. That would be God's standard for how your kids treat you that they're honoring to you as their mother and father, and they're obedient to you as their mother and father. And you've got 18 years in the home to learn how to do that really, real well. Um, so let me ask you, based off that, what would you say would be an offense that would warrant discipline? What would, Based off this, what is something they could do that would be, in your mind, that's a sinful offense to me that warrants me disciplining them? Lying, lying to me. Is lying, is lying to a father and a mother, is that honoring? Not at all, right? What's another offense? Disrespect. Disrespect, that's right. That's totally dishonoring. Defiant. Defiant, that's right, defiant. Not doing what they're supposed to do immediately. It's, a, it's a disobedience. Now, I told you to do this. This is real important to me that you did this and you didn't. A lot of times we'll get, well, let me, let me do it after I play this, finish this thing. Or finish. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll do it in a minute. Right. That's right. Um, speaking of doing it in a minute, uh, what, what does this mean? What is that? Yeah, it's, it, it's a, it means it's check engine light. says you waited too long to fix something, right? Now, on this check engine light, now there's some of you in the room who do wait too long. Let's, let's say this. Let's say you're driving out of here tonight, driving home, and on the drive home, that ugly guy appears right there, the check engine light. Raise your hand if you're the type of person that would immediately go tomorrow and have this checked out. Who's that person? Okay, a few of you. Yep, yep, yep. Y'all must have nice cars. Um, <laughs> the rest of us, well, that light just stays on all the time. Um, but how many of you would just say, you know what? Um, I'm just going to pray it'll go away. Is there anybody in the room? I'm just going to pray that that chicken light just goes off. Yep. That's my sons. They'll call and they'll say, you know, they're in college now. They'll be in Knoxville and they'll say, hey, Dad, uh, the, the check engine light came on. And I said, what, what do you want to do about it? Because I've been training them up. And I'm like, well, we're just going to see if it's, I'll just drive it to see if it goes away. <laughs> and my dad is, buddy, it's probably not going to go away. Um, we need to deal with it right away. Um, so the idea is that you would deal with, if you have a nice car especially, um, you're going to deal with that quickly. And how much more would you want to deal with an issue in your home quickly? 
you know, when it comes up. That's so important. So I think we can be just like the Lord and engage our child immediately after they sin. Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. Um, so just say, hey, don't delay. Go right then. If you catch somebody and say, go right then. Um, a few fun more things to say about this. As a parent, you're never just dealing with the words and actions of your children, right? It's not just about the, it's not about their words and actions. You're dealing with something much deeper than their words and much deeper than their actions. You're dealing with their heart and in what shapes and directs and controls their heart. Would you agree that there are things um, outside of you that that direct or shape or influence their heart? Yeah, yeah a lot of things. And for all of you, you're raising kids and now in a in a digital screen generation. Your kids probably have never not known screens. They've always had screens around, which means that they've had access to things. And you guys are probably great parents to try to lock those things down. Um, but those, they have influences that can direct, whether it's shows on TV or things on social media, whatever it might be. Um, so we got to realize it's not just their words and actions you're dealing with. There's something deeper in the heart that's going on. Every one of those images of children, those different faces, that wasn't just a face. That was something down here in their heart that was, con that was influencing that facial expression, right? Um, so those are really important points we're going to get to just deeper in just one second. Um, I would tell you the most important heart issue that you'll deal with is authority. If there was one thing that you're dealing with with the heart of your children, it's going to come back to authority. And this is because this is what Satan went right after. Um, submission to authority is always unnatural, okay, for sinners. It's also unnatural for us as believers when we're in the flesh. If I'm in the flesh and my boss tells me to do something, um, I might rise up. Uh, much more so as I'm in the corporate world than in the church world today. Um, but what sin make us do? Makes us want our own way, want our own rules, um, wants to be not like being told what to do. Um, makes me want to do what I want to do when I want to do it versus being under authority. So anytime that your child is arguing or fighting or pouting or shouting, there's something here that's saying, I don't want to obey your authority. I do not want to honor your authority over my life. I want to be my own person. They want to be in the center of their world. Um, but that's where God belongs. God belongs in the center of their world, not themselves. You may have seen that picture of a you got of that um, of a throne, and the idea is that God wants to be on the throne of our hearts, not the person on the throne. That's what getting saved is. Getting saved is saying, "I'm going to step off and let the Lord take control of my life." One of the one of the things that we as parents have to deal with is the our the the sinful nature our kids have makes their hearts say, "I want to be in control. I want authority," and. Um, when the kids are younger, they listen and honor and obey easier. As they get older and more influences come into their heart life, and that's when they begin to more rebel and pout and shout. Um, good thing the Lord gives us 18 years with them. Hey, there's some real reality verses. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. So as you're talking to your child, you can say, hey, Buddy, I, I just think there's a real issue with authority here. You're not wanting 
to honor and your, obey your father right now. And I think it's because you want to be in control. But God had said he wants to, for, it's better if he's in control. Matter of fact, Jesus came that we wouldn't live for ourselves, but we'd live for him, not for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.15. The Lord knew that our kids would be born focused on themselves, self-absorbed. That's why one of the primary purposes he, purposes he came for is down the cross so that he could live and we could live for him. They will not naturally seek the Lord. They'll naturally want to, to be on their own throne and seek themselves. Deuteronomy 5.29, I want to show you a few things. Let's read this together, can we? The Lord said, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments, all my way, always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. God wanted all people, all of his children to obey him. And I love that. It's right here. God knows where the issue is, a heart. He so when he wished everyone had the same heart to love him and to care for him. He knows how important that heart is. Go back to verses we've already read in Deuteronomy 6, and he's telling the parents there, he's saying, these words I'm spending your day shall be on your heart. Because God knows that's where, that, that's, that's where our life stems from, is our heart. We want our heart oriented towards the Lord, right? Loving with all our heart. Okay, I want you to watch something, and this will take me just a moment to set this up. But I want to direct you to uh, something that we offer you through what's called Right Now Media. And it's a series. But I'm going to just play a clip of it so you can see it. All right, let's pull back together. So we're talking about how that we're to engage our kids immediately after they sin. And so a couple little talking points here. Establish authority early. Establish authority early, even in small things around your house. Uh, clarify for your kids what obedience looks like. You know, what's, what, is, what are they supposed to do and not to do? So uh, clarify for them. Make sure that they know exactly what your expectations are, to use Adam's word. Now, for my wife and I, what we did, we kind of wrote this out and posted it up in our home. Here's what we said for them. He said, this is what honoring is. It's loving God and each other. It's sharing with each other. It's using pleasant words around each other. And it's being thankful in all things. That's what it would be like to honor each other. Um, dishonoring looks like this, as we just had that posted as well. This is dishonoring in our home. If you do these things, that's dishonoring to, to your mom and dad and to your brothers. So we had to post this. Now, we have five boys, and so we had to post this in a lot of areas because we had five boys. So it wasn't just about mom and I. It was about the brothers as well. Now, we also had to tell them, hey, here's what obedience looks like. Obedience is come here, okay, um, and we wanted to hear from them. All right, I'm coming, no problem, I'll be right there. Uh, well, disobedience was, when we said come here, please, it was the delayed obedience, right, where there was no response or, you know, no dad, not now, or the show me finish this, show me finish this level in this game. I detested games that you couldn't push pause on. In some video games you can pause I mean, in some video games you cannot pause and the, the kids want to get all the way into the level. And I hated those type of games. So we had to post, here's what obedience, disobedience is. Now we had a help. Uh, we also use this little guy, and then you can still get these online. It's called the if-then chart. You can buy these, they're not expensive, you can get them online. And what it says, it says, hey, uh, here are the offenses, 
hitting, um, picking fights, laziness, disobedience. And it gives verses to refer to. And over here is a limited, limited section where you can write in what your punishment will be if they do these things. So you as the parent get to pray through and decide, what am I going to write in here? Well, we had this in our home. We had filled this out. So it, for us, it was clarity. Hey, when you do this, um, when you lie to us, um, this is exactly what's going to happen. It was predetermined what would take place. You used to get these. It was a big help for us. We had a larger one because we needed a larger one. They make a small and a big one. We had the big one, and we posted it right beside our fridge where everybody could see it. Um, and I think in the move, one of my boys gleefully destroyed it. Um, they didn't want to keep it for any good reason. Um, but clarify, and you can use all kinds of tools. So engage your sin if they, after they sin. Engage your child immediately. Number two, give your child a measurable amount of pain, okay? So going back to here, your parents chose to give you pain, all right? And God gave pain to Adam and Eve when they sinned. And I'm here to tell you, it's still biblical for you to do the same. Okay, it's biblical for you to do the same. Even though that maybe we don't throw flip-flops at each other anymore, we don't do switches anymore, um, we still can give measurable amounts of pain. Um, now, uh, this is one of my favorite authors, Dr. Dennis Rainey. And he says, discipline is for correcting the heart, dealing with a bad attitude, and turning a child to repent. Hey, what are some heavy words in that quote? What are some heavy words there? What are some words that are just heavy? What are those? Yeah, the, the heart, bad attitude, training a child to repent. Um, he underscores there's got to be some corrective action. When our kids sin, there's a bad attitude we're dealing with. There's repentance that's got to take place. So it's not, this isn't, you know, mouse business. This is a big deal to deal with. And earlier on that we can stomp out authority where we can let them, think, let them know that we're, we are your authority because God's our authority. The earlier we can, we can let that happen in their lives, the better. There was a mom who, who took this all the way. And so let's read this. Uh, Sam McElroy is our guest speaker tonight. In this moment, he's going to show this. Sam, would you mind reading that for us, please? 1999 Oldsmobile Intrigue for sale. Totally uncouth parents who obviously don't love teenage sons selling his car, only driven for three weeks before a student mob who needs to get a life found booze under front seat called meanest mob. On the so this was a post... This is a post to sell the son's car. So the mom had said, if I find booze in your car, your car is going to be sold. Well, he dishonored his mom, had alcohol in the car. And so she finds it. She puts the car out for sale. And guess what happened? She got hundreds of responses. But they weren't, we want to buy your car. They were, great job. You know, here's a mom who holds the kid accountable. And so it just went viral. She even found herself on national TV answering to the accountability that she held her kid to. So uh, she definitely produced pain in her kid's life. Um, so measured amounts of pain now may prevent much greater pain as they grow older. Do you agree or disagree with that? Agree or disagree? Agree? Agree. Why do you agree with that? Give me Somebody give me a why you agree with that. Okay, early intervention matters. Thank you. Even today, man, you can remember it. 30 years later, you remember that. And maybe it dealt with one of these things right here, helped drive home that main point. Um, well, 
for Susan and I raising this group, uh, it just took a lot. So what we also had to do, we had to step in and put in place, here's what's going to happen if you dishonor us. Here's what's going to take place. And we had a list for them. Um, you'll be taken to a private place. That was important because when one brother got in trouble, the other four brothers were like, yeah, he's in trouble. Let's see what dad does. Let's listen in. So we had to take our discipline to a private place so we could sit them down and work with them. Second, they'll have to answer to mom or dad. You're going to have to answer to what you've done. Um, you'll have a chance to repent of your sin, okay? Um, you'll be asked to apologize to whoever you offended or to whoever you hurt. Um, you'll be hugged and prayed for. Now, let me also say that in this, um, we would ask them these questions on the right-hand side. What happened? You know, what filled your heart when that happened? How did you respond to that? Did you sin? Why did you sin? How could you have responded? And who's the only, what's the only hope regarding the sentence in your life? So in this bullet point, you'll have to answer to mom or dad. Um, this is where we would put in place whatever corrective action needed to be taken, whether it was spanking and we spanked um, with the belt. We generally did number of swats based off number of years they were alive. Um, so if there was a five-year-old, he would get five uh, spankings, um, five swats. If he was 10, he'd get 10. But it's so interesting, the first three got a lot of spankings. The next two, number four and five, he didn't spanked at all because they learned from their brothers, I don't want to do that. They would see us take go back to the private room. They would hear the wailing from the back, and they'd go, okay, note to self, I will not do that. Um, so we just tried to follow this pattern, and uh, there were times we were out and about at a restaurant, at a store. We said, you know what, we just, we'll deal with this when we get home. We're not going to deal with it here, but when we get home, you're going to have to answer to what just took place. Proverbs 13, 24. He who holds the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him gently. Just know that. Um, the Bible says discipline is how you love your child. This is Solomon. This is the wisest man to ever live, and he wrote this. Um, he refers to the rod as a tool for discipline. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Um, foolishness. How do you how do you how do you remove foolishness? One person said you beat it out of him. Okay, I don't mean that literally, but that's what it says. The rod of discipline. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen, the last verse. The rod and reproof, reproof gives wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. So just know that, that dealing with this quickly uh, is really important. Um, letting them feel the pain that what they've done does not need to happen again um, is really important. All right, so let's move to this next one. The third one, we'll wrap up with this. Give your child hope of restoration of life ahead, just like God did. Um, God didn't kill Adam and Eve. He let them live, uh, and He gave them hope. Um, and same thing with you. You can give your hope, your kids hope as well. That's what we did. Um, we'd let our boys know, hey, that the, the goal is we just want you to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so learning to obey and honor mom and dad as your parents is the best way you're going to learn how to honor and obey Jesus. So if you can honor and obey us, better chance that you'll honor and obey the Lord. And so that's why it's so important, your mom and dad, that you honor and obey us. It's biblical, and we're trying to train you in these 18 years we have you to honor and obey the Lord, which is really, really important to the Lord. It was a goal we clarified for them. Now also, um, the solution, we just tell them, hey, you need the Lord. Why you're doing this is because your heart's not aligned with God. And so you, Jesus came to give you hope and give you a future. 
Um, and Jesus works in us and helps us obey God's commands. We need Jesus' help to obey Him. If you like these charts, uh, they've also, this company also makes one. It's called the Blessing Chart. Um, it just shares here different if they're obedient, if they're kind, if they're giving and sharing. Here's the verses. Now, they don't have a place to write over here. They don't want, they, they, their wisdom was, let's not attach a gift or reward every time they do something they're supposed to do. Let's don't say, you know, Dairy Queen Blizzard every time that you are diligent around the house. Because, one, that would be very expensive. It's just saying, hey, here's the scripture to come back and say, you know what, you really honored the Lord. And how you really how you shared with your child, with your brother or sister. Um, so if you like charts, if that helps you. That's a great one. Um, anyway, three steps, simple steps for you to keep in mind is discipline your child. The book we're giving you tonight, this free book. If you didn't get one, I've got more over here. Uh, I want everybody to take away a copy of this. That's very similar. Um, this idea of hey, it's not about counting to three; it's about the heart and dealing with things quickly. Um, I've invited a friend of mine, and this is Sam McElroy. Sam, come on up if you would. Sam is our senior adult pastor and uh, just an absolute fun guy to be around. And uh, he's going to share with us a little tangent um, that he and his wife uh, just made use of that I thought, you know, this is a great word for us to hear because all of you guys are connected in so many ways. Um, good to see you. Yep, here you go. You tell us about this group. All right. Good evening. How you Thanks for letting me come by. Tim asked me yesterday, you know, short notice, less than 24 hours notice. You know. That's good, good on your feet. That's what, fine. What are you doing tomorrow night? I said, well, that depends, you know. And so we, uh, I have a, we do the chapel service here on Wednesday night, and then I finished up. So this is our, our family, our two boys. Uh, Anthony is the oldest. Uh, he lives in Longview, Texas. His wife, Missy, and Brody and Ben. This is Garrett. Uh, he'll be 40 next week. He's 42. Uh, his wife, uh, Leah, and Carson, and Lacey, and then the two boys together. We did a trip to Pebble Beach a few years ago, and that's their picture at Pebble Beach. We had a great time with that. But uh, I, I, I can't tell you anything more than what I, I, I got a, a little nervous while I go. I walked in, and y'all were talking, and y'all had your phones out. I thought you were taking Tim's picture, and I realized you were taking a picture of the screen. <laughs> oh, good night. What is this? You know? But uh, we had a great time raising our boys. Uh, we lived in Milan, Tennessee most of those years. So they were four and seven when we moved there. I was minister of music and administrator at uh, First Baptist Church there. It was in Birmingham before that. And uh, so the three words that I would tell you is community, expectations, and involvement. Those three things were, for us, was a priority. Now, I don't know about you. You just pick of these things up quick. I won't take but a few minutes. But things that helped us. <laughs> community, expectations, and involvement. Those three things helped us discipline our boys more than anything else I could tell you. Community, uh, they were, we were real involved in the community. Our boys were sports guys, played a lot, a lot of ball. Anthony was a golfer and a baseball player. And, uh, uh, Garrett was a baseball player uh, and golfer and basketball player. He was the captain of the basketball team his senior year. And of course, they still play a lot of golf too. But they were real involved in the community. Now, why do I tell you that? Not because of what they've done, because we had people around them. Their coaches held them accountable. All their coaches, I was the chaplain for all the sports programs at Milan High School for years, so I shared with, with football, basketball, baseball, golf, softball. Every year I had uh, things that I shared with them. Well, they, our guys were involved in that. Uh, their coaches knew uh, what was expected of them. For instance, a, a funny example, Garrett, the youngest, had 
just graduated from high school. He's cutting grass in our yard. And the head baseball coach, Coach Donnie Joyner, comes by. Well, he had a rule. This was back before it was cool. You couldn't wear your cap backwards. You don't wear your cap backwards. That's, you don't do that. You know? And so Garrett's cutting the grass. His cap is on backwards. And Coach Joyner pulled up. Now, he has graduated from high school. He's out from under Coach <laughs> Joyner. And, and Garrett's put, I saw this. I'm sitting on the porch. And he's cutting the grass. He saw Coach Joyner. He went, oh, God. And he turned his cap on. <laughs> scared him to death. There his coach is, who had nothing to do with him then, but it had made such an impression on Garrett all those years that he flips his hat and turns around. So community, uh, the coaches, other parents, you got to have other eyes. you got to have other eyes, not just your eyes. And so we had a flock of parents, community people, church people, many were different ones that were involved in the raising of our boys. It wasn't just us. So they, you know, they knew they were being watched. Our student minister, during those years, uh, the guy was there the, the most, Donnie, they called him, Uncle Donnie, but all the students called him. He would tell my boys, he, he was over our house a lot, and he, was, he ma made our boys accountable. You need people that hold your kids accountable. Not just you, but you need other people that hold them accountable. And Donnie held my boys accountable because he would tell them, you better behave. You get in trouble. When your dad gets through with you, I'll be here soon. And they respected him. They, they held him in high esteem because he was their student minister. And you need other people like that that hold them like that. The expectations. They had high expectations of them in sports and all the things they played, but they had high expectations around the house. We held high expectations. We expected them to do good in school. We expected them to do good around the house. So they were high, not just winning the games. Now that's part of it. But we had high expectations for them. And then the involvement. My wife and I were involved in a lot of things our boys did. They, we told them there's no closed doors. Anywhere you go, we may show up. Case in point, there was a, a party one night at the Milan Country Club, and we weren't sure who was hosting the party. And we weren't sure what was going to go on. So we showed up. We showed up at the party, and it looked like the parting of the Red Sea. And my wife, who was real short, she was an RN for her career, and when we, we show up, I think she's probably still got her nursing outfit on at that time. We walk in, and I, all the kids turn, and there's this parting of the Red Sea because they're letting us walk right over to our boys. And they said, what are y'all doing here? We said, we just came and check it out. You know, They knew that we would show up at any time, any place, anywhere, because we knew the community, and we're just going to do that. So involvement is important. We were involved in everything they did. I, I did something that's highly unusual today. I called my two sons. Anthony's in Longview, Texas. Garrett, this week, is in Murfreesboro at the state basketball. He used to be a basketball coach in Nashville for years, so he's in Murfreesboro at the basketball uh, uh, tournaments this week. So I called him. These, some of these things they gave me today, so I'll just give them credit. Do not discipline in a moment of anger. It does not work. Walk away. Sometime later, you address the situation when your emotion is not involved. Don't do it in anger. I was guilty early on when they were little. Big voice, yell at them, you know, stop it, you know, something like that. I learned it didn't take me too long. I really learned it with being. Ben was in my office here a couple of years ago, and he grabbed a little bobblehead thing and broke it. And I instantaneously said, Ben, you know, just wasn't thinking. You know, and he turned around. And so for about a year, I found out a year later that Ben was afraid of Papa because of that one moment. 
just that one moment. And so we're in Longview, Texas, visiting Anthony and Missy. And Anthony said, uh, Dad, we need to have a talk. And he said, Ben, tell Papa what you told me. And he told him how scared he was. So we settled that. We prayed. We hugged. And ever since then, it's been fine. But see, I didn't know that. So don't ever discipline in a moment of anger. And you talked about a little bit a while ago, the car. I love the story about her selling the car. Take away something that's valuable. Take away something that's valuable. For Garrett, take your basketball away, take the goal away in the driveway, and you can't go to the gym. That right there meant more to him than anything I could do because he, he was a gym rat. You guys know what a gym rat is. He hung out at the gym. I mean, he was just there all the time. And if I stopped basketball or took the, took the goal away, that was huge. Now, not so much when mine were growing up, but yours, electronics, when you take them away, when you take something away, it hurts. And you saw that on the screen a while ago. Uh, with Anthony, son, you can't go to golf week today. You can't go this week. It was serious. It was real serious. Because he, he played, ended up playing college golf. He was a golf pro for several years before he went into business. But golf was serious with him. And if you took it away, and then like you saw the lady take the car away, and they had to ride with somebody else. Ooh, and the girl had to pick them up because they didn't have their car. It was, it didn't take long. It, I'm serious. It didn't take long for them to straighten up and fly right. Because when you take something away that hurts, it, it really makes a difference. Discipline now when the stakes are low. Discipline later, the stakes are high. I'll give you an example. They turn in the second grade project on time, they're going to be on time for work when they're 25. Discipline early when the stakes are low because if you discipline later, the stakes are high. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Whatever you do, don't wait. Anthony said today, he said, that's true, Dad, because, you know, you, you made us do that yard work. You made us do it a certain way. I didn't like it. This is on the phone today. I didn't like it. And now what do I do? I come home and I check my yard and I do it a certain way because that's the way you made me do it. I just made him do it right. I just made him do it right. And he's learned to do things right. And when they're young, that's going to stay with them. You know, do it yourself discipline. Do it yourself discipline. Anthony, the oldest, tells me, reminded me today about the time he was in Birmingham and his grandparents. My wife was there with him. I was not there. And he was with his grandparents. And he had had a drink. And his mother found out about it. And that little five-foot woman can be real powerful. And she said, Anthony, you're going to tell your granddaddy. You're going to go in tonight, and you're going to tell your daughter. That was the worst thing you could tell him to do. He had to go in the house of where he was staying and had to tell his gaga, his granddaddy, what he had done that night. And when he finished, he thought it was over. And she said, no, when you get home, you got to tell your daddy. So he did the discipline. We really didn't do a lot. He had to do it himself. And a funny story that we've laughed, didn't laugh then, but Garrett was about 10 years old, and he was running with Matt McAdoo. Dr. McAdoo was our family practice doctor. And we were friends. We go to church together. We hung out together, played golf together. So Garrett's running with Matt. Uh, Dr. McAdoo's son, they're about the same age, 9 or 10 years old, and the, and the little local town carnival comes to town. It's in the Walmart shopping center parking lot. Y'all get the picture, the local town carnival. So Matt shows Garrett, he said, 
Garrett, we can draw that stamp, you know, where you pay and get a stamp. <laughs> we can draw that and, and show it, and we can write all the rides free. So Garrett, sure, it's math. Dr. McAdoo's son, we'll do it. So he did it. The only problem, he was so proud when he got home, he showed his mother. Look, Mom, what me and Matt did. Oh, God. That was on a Saturday. On Sunday morning, I'm already at church. And my wife took Garrett to the carnival, and they're taking down. You know how they take all the rides down. And she pulls up and asks one of the carny guys, said, I need to see the boss. She said, ma'am, she, she said, I need to see the boss. I need to see him right now. And she, he goes to the trailer, and he comes out. And he said, ma'am, is there a problem? She said, yes, sir, there is. And it's with this young boy right here. And she said, tell him. Tell him. And Garrett's just, she said, a wreck. I said, tell him. Tell him what you did. He showed him. She wouldn't let him wash his hand that night. He shows him. They're on their way to church. And Garrett has to tell the carny owner what he did. He said, oh, it's all right. And my wife said, no, it's not all right. She had made him go to his drawer, get his money out, and guess about how many rides he rode and paid the man. And paid the man. He never forgot that. Never forgot that. Well, he didn't do it. He had to do it himself. He self-disciplined himself. Now, the funny thing is, every, every now and then, Dr. McAdoo, who are still friends, he'll call me and say, hey, Sam, Carney's in town. You want to go? <laughs> <laughs> he does that. You know. So, and one other thing, stand with your children and face the issue together. Don't get between them and the issue. Stand with them. No matter what they've done, you stand with them. Don't stand between them and the issue. My oldest son told me this, and I, I, I got to give him credit. The inner voice that your child will hear later in life will be your voice. Good or bad, the inner voice your child will hear later in life will be yours. The voice will, they hear will live longer than the time they live in your house. So what they hear from you, they're gonna, it's going to be in their heart and in their mind for years. Yes, you may teach them to hear and discern the voice of God, but they're not going to lose sight of your voice. It's going to go with them forever. Tough love, sometimes hard to do, and you had it on the screen a while ago. No matter what you do in tough love, you keep hugging them, you keep loving them, and don't ever forget to pray with them. Sam, thank you. Can you let me thank Sam for very intentional parents who are here tonight learning about how to raise their children. Would you mind to pray us out? It's time to sure. go. And would you just pray for us that God would help us in our parenting? Tonight we talked about how to discipline biblically, and it's a tough job. So if you don't mind praying for us, I'd really appreciate That's it. That's right. Father, thank you for these intentional parents that are wanting to do the best in the sight of God and how they raise their children, how they discipline their children. God, I pray that every time they'll have godly discernment, godly insight of what to say and what not to say, how to act and how to react. God, I pray they will look to you for guidance. They won't look to the world. They won't look at other parents and what they're doing. They'll look to you, and you'll give them the guidance and the insight they need in raising their children. I pray there be a time that they can look back each year, years to come, and look back and see what you did through them as parents and see the difference in their children as they raise them in the image of Christ. Thank you for what they're doing. Thank you for the intentionality they're showing by being a part of this. Thank you for Tim and his leadership, Lord. Help us keep our eyes on you. We thank you for your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen.